Let us pray. Lord, we continue the prayer, prayer that we just heard that was sung so beautifully. We bring you glory. And all we do here is for you. It is great for us as a congregation to experience these things. But it's not for us. It's just for you. Thank you, Lord, for calling us together on this day. Thank you for calling people to be online with us today or whatever day they are watching this service. I ask, Lord, that as we came together to connect, not only with one another, but especially with you and your word, that you will use the words that I need to share to touch our hearts and our lives, mine included. We are all before you as your vessels. Do your work. In your name. Amen. A different time, a different culture, a different continent. That's the context of the story. So on my brother's brother-in-law's side, uh, the family had a farm property in the African bushveld. So we would go there frequently, and there wasn't really a house to stay in. We mostly would sleep outside next to the fire. Later on, we had a small bungalow thing that we stayed in. But it's Africa. We didn't have the big five on the property. There were no lions and elephants. But most of the other animals were there, and most of them are not that concerned to kill you. Um, there were leopards, if you can see the leopard on the slide. So there were leopards on this island, and we knew they were there, and sometimes we would see the spur of the leopard when we would walk around, or the leopards. So there were guns on this property. We all had those, and there was always a loaded gun somewhere close by, because you're in the middle of the African bush. Now my kids are growing all up and a little bit older, and they are starting to show some interest in these things that's just all over. You can't put them in a safe when you're in the bushveld. At some point, I decided I need to teach my children a way to understand how dangerous these things are. So I got a huge container, plastic container, and I filled it up with water. And then I had them stand behind me with earplugs in all of those kinds of things. And then I shot the thing. Now, I do not know if you've seen it, but you've got a high-caliber bullet, heavy-loaded bullet, and you hit a big plastic container. It's fantastic. <laughs> How the thing explodes. And Fernand stood behind me and said, Wow! And Ari, Wow! And guess what they said? Do it again! I said, Okay. Henri, you go. Fernand said, No. I said, Why not? He said, No. And they were this big. I said, Then you go. And Henri said, No. I said, Why not? And Fernand and Henri mumbled something about they don't want to explode like that. I said to them, now you know how dangerous and how serious these things are. Leave it alone. They tiptoed around every gun that they saw ever until they were old enough that we could teach them how, how to shoot. It is Lent. Thank you. I asked a while ago that you guys would give me ideas of sermon topics, and I have enough for the next 10 years, so I can't retire. I'm really sorry. Ah, you, you, you're going to be stuck with me till I'm not 90. No, 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 that's not what I want to hear. 
But one of uh, three or four people, maybe ten, said, hey, maybe it'll be good to have a series in this Lent on Lent, because sometimes we would preach about, I would preach about other things. So I thought, okay, let's talk about Lent then a little bit this year. Let, let me read. Leviticus chapter 16. He shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord. I'm going to introduce you, introduce you today to Azazel, or Azazel. Same thing. Let's discover. Set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and Aaron shall cast lots on the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and offer it as a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot fall, fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness of Azazel. When he has finished atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, sending it away into the wilderness by means of someone designated for the task. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a barren region. The goat shall be set free in the wilderness. Let me read this before. You're going to read it while I'm talking, so let me read it. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the altar ark or else he will die. With respect, God has a problem here. You see, his nation, the Jews, was stuck in Egypt for 430 years. So Joseph was sold by his brothers as a slave, and Joseph actually then ended up in Egypt. That's how the Hebrews found their way into Egypt. And later on, when Joseph was the second in command, he said, bring my dad, bring the whole family over to Egypt. And in the beginning, all was fine. He was the second in command of, of Egypt, and they were protected, and they had, to, had their own area to live. And as time went by, and the pharaohs died, and new ones came into be, they forgot the story, and they enslaved the Hebrews, the Jews. For 430 years, longer than I think uh, civilization has really been here in America, well, coming from, from the west, no, coming from the east, um, they, they stayed in Egypt. So they were emerged in the Egyptian culture, in the Egyptian pagan way of doing things. They had all these Egyptian gods. You know, if you, if you go and look at all the plagues, all those plagues were types of gods that the Egyptians believed in, and God had to show them, I am in control of the Nile and the frogs and everything, because they had all these different gods that they believed in. And what they would do is they would make little statues of these gods, and they would move them around. Well, there's nothing to grab now here. But they would move them around in their homes, and then when they would travel, they would take their little statue with them so that the god that they are now taking with them could protect them. So they handled their gods. It was in your hand. You could handle your god. Now we have a different god. The only god. The god of heaven and earth. The God who created all and owns all. 
a God that's alive, that's not a statue or a thing that somebody thought out, but the God that actually reveals himself to us in his person. And, and I've said this, you guys are tired of this, me saying this, but if you look at the sky in the evening, you see the stars, you must remind yourself the God you believe in made those things. That's the God we are dealing with. This God, in some way, shape, or form, had to introduce himself to his people, that they may know he's different from all the other gods that they have. So when they built the tabernacle, they said, in the tabernacle, there needs to be the utmost holiest place. That's the place where atonement must be brought, and that's the place of meeting that will take place between me and you guys through vessels, through the priests and other things. And the people had to see this tent, the show and tell. They had to see this tent to know that this is where God is going to meet us. And God said, if you want to meet, meet with me, there are very specific instructions because I am God. Remove your shoes. That happened with Moses way in the beginning. Had nothing to do with his shoes. It had to tell him you are in the presence of someone that's different. Adab and Abiu. No, sorry, Nadab and Abiu were the two sons of um, Aaron. At some point they decided, oh, we are just going to be a sacrifice to the Lord as we did in Egypt. The Lord killed him immediately. So were they lost? No, that was not the idea. They were not lost that they would now go to hell. But they did exactly the opposite of what God said. God said, don't do this. And that's why here in chapter 16, God says to Moses, tell Aaron, if he does what his sons did, he will also die. He is not exempt because he's Aaron in his second in command, leading the people now through, through the wilderness. I am God, you are not. Listen to me. Listen to me. I am the only holy living God, and I may ask of you guys to think about me differently. That is true of us also a little bit in the world that we live. That I think that we many times forget who this God is that we really are dealing with when we call on His name. A God we do not need to fear, but a God we need to respect with all that we have because He's God. The second thing, and I need to move on a little bit, is that God says, and you need to know something about yourself. Now, in this text that I read, it says that this Azazel needs to take on a sacrifice of sin offering, and it's also for the weakness and rebellion of the people. And rebellion, there's the definition, is refusal to accept authority, defiance, and all of these kinds of things. The problem is the following. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me, the Lord said later on in Exodus chapter 20. The problem is that when the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt, they said, yeah, the Lord took care of us. We've got God on our side. They had no clue who this God is. So he probably needs us. So they were walking tall. Look what he did to the Egyptians, our enemies. So we are going to be okay because God's got our back. God is involved in our life. God is with us. He's on his way with us and with me in my life. So I can relax a little bit except when I worship. When I worship, I need to be very careful because that's a place where things are somewhat different. So when they came to the tent of meeting, they would act a little bit differently and they would be very respectful. But the moment when they would walk away from the tent, ah, I can't relax. Oy, 
I can do whatever I, I want and I please, and they continue to live their life according to their own definition of how life should be lived. That's true of us also, maybe. I remember when I was in boarding school, a gazillion years ago, um, I was in my room and my Bible was lying next to my, my bed and a guy came in and wanted to tell me a really bad joke and he, he said, just put your Bible a moment in the closet. <laughs> That's how we meant I think about God, isn't it? You know, so here in church, you know, he's here, but not always out there. And that's what happened in the camp. So God had to do a show and tell to remind them of the seriousness of sin. And this is what we will find here. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil at all time. The Lord regretted that He had made human beings on the earth and His heart was deeply troubled. The Lord said, I will wipe them from the face of the earth, the human race I have created. The Lord wanted the people to know that they are the same people that He wiped out in the time of Noah. That our hearts are evil. The fact that God has brought them out of Egypt doesn't mean that everything is now just fine. They need to, and us, we need to understand our brokenness before God. Because He's holy and we are not. And sadly, people go around and they never think about sin. They never think about their brokenness. They never think about the harm they've caused to God's kingdom and to His person. I've many times in my life asked myself, how many times did I break God's heart today? Not yesterday, today. For He called me, and He called you, and He brought me out of the slavery of sin, and He's taking me on His way to the promised land that's heaven for me one day and for you guys. And now the Lord says, Ferdy, I want you to be different because you at least know me. How many times have I broken my, his heart by not really living up to the standard that he asked of his child? Not to make me his child, but because I am his child. I am on a journey with him. And how do you explain to the nation of Israel how serious the sin thing is? You get Azazel. Then Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel. God show and tell. This poor goat. <laughs> no clue. And then Aaron would actually put both his hands on this goat, and the nation of Israel would see this. Because at that point, the goat took on their sin. And then Aaron didn't say, or Moses didn't say, well, it's for the sin of the people. If you read the Hebrew, he was actually mentioning almost all the wrong, wrongs that the people committed that they knew of. I think it's sometimes important when you talk to the Lord about yourself is to say to him, Lord, I'm really sorry. I'm really mean sometimes to people. I'm not the best husband, the best wife, the best dad, the best child. Maybe I'm not the best co-worker and maybe not the best driver on I-4 either. Maybe I've made a few people cuss, Lord, and I apologize for that. I cut a few people off and I didn't really look. Lord, I'm sorry I'm struggling with my patience and with my temper sometimes. Lord, I'm sorry that I have sometimes thoughts about people and things that I should not have. 
Lord, I'm sorry that, that when I see certain people on the TV, I can't pray for them because I'm too angry at them. And you ask of me to pray for people that I don't like or might even think I hate. You see, you see then it becomes real. The more I go and I name the things that I know is outside of the Lord's will, I come to understand more and more that I'm not always actually doing that well. Maybe someday okay, but other days not okay. And I need to deal with the fact that I am someone that has been given grace by God to live. I have no right to stand in front of you today for who I am. No right. It's just grace. Just grace. And then they would send this goat out into the wilderness. The wilderness always meant outside of the camp. The wilderness always meant a place of loneliness, abandonment, abandonment, that word, and suffering. This goat had no chance to survive because there were all kinds of stuff in the wilderness that wanted this goat. And because without the protection of humans, this goat had no idea that he was going to be killed at some point and real soon. But the people saw the goat. Bah, bah, the thing sounded a little bit like a sheep. Would go away and walk away and want to turn around and they would chase the thing away because that is now the scapegoat. That's where the word scapegoat comes from. Azazel. The scapegoat took on all the inequities and the sin of the people and now the scapegoat is leaving the tent to walk into the wilderness. We have a scapegoat. We have also one. Everything that happened in the Old Testament points towards the New Testament. All the sacrifices of many of those in the Old Testament points towards the New Testament. We have this Christ that came to this world. Blameless. Blameless. The Son of God. At some point they placed their hands on Him by lashing whips on His back by pushing a crown of thorns on his head, by cussing him and beating him. At some point he said to his dad, I will take their sin on me. I will take their sin on me, because without me taking their sin on me, they can't live. Because they are supposed to experience what I now experience, but I will do it for them. And then he went into the wilderness. When we confessed our faith a moment ago, we said, and he descended into hell. That's the wilderness. That's the wilderness, and that's part of Lent. Lent is to remind us that Christ Jesus came to this world, and for him it was no party. For him it was no fun. For him it was nothing really pleasurable, because the moment when he left heaven and he associated himself with people on this earth, they did everything to kill him. From the day he was born, they tried to kill him. They came after him just after he was born. And the rest of his ministry people were trying to get rid of him because of who he is. He's the son of the only holy living God, the answer to life and living, and people want to get rid of him. Why? Because if you acknowledge him, then you can't do whatever you please. The moment when you accept Christ, you need to accept your sin. The moment you accept your sin, you need to say, I need to change. Who wants to change? No one. I like myself who I am. God says, oh no, oh no, you are not as great as you are and as good as you are, you need me. 
The scapegoat came. He came and he took all, all, all our sins on him. He wandered into the wilderness with respect until the moment of his death on the cross. My final thought, I don't even have another slide. It was a brutal way to teach my children how dangerous a weapon is. But a weapon that's loaded is extremely dangerous. And you and I know how many kids have been killed because they had no clue how to handle a weapon. They had no fear of the thing. God looks at us and he says, I need to do something that these folks will understand how serious sin is. That's why I have a cross in the church. That's why we have a cross on our steeple. That's why we have crosses on all of these thingies that our choir people wear. Because the cross reminds us of the seriousness of life without God. Life without faith. And life without understanding what life is all about. What do we do? Go to Him. He will never chase you away. Confess. He will always, always accept yours. Because Jesus Christ is our own personal scapegoat. He says, I will take it. I will wander in the wilderness for you that you never need to go there because I care and I love you too much. Isn't that worthwhile believing? If not, I do not know what else. Amen.